Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. Voxel 51 is a startup company that spun out of the University of Michigan about two years ago. We focus on building software tools that enable the video understanding and image understanding workflow. So what does that really mean, right? So we're all hearing about artificial intelligence and applications and how it's going to revolutionize everyone's day-to-day life. And to do that, we typically see situations where someone has an idea. For example, I'm watching Amazon Prime Video or Netflix Video, and I love someone's, I don't know, sweater. I want to buy that sweater. So if I was an AI engineer and I needed to then figure out how to map that sweater in the scene to a sweater to purchase on the web somewhere, in a web store, I would need to gather many examples of those sweaters and annotate them. And then I would go through a process called model training. And then finally deploy the underlying model, which would then take the new image of the sweater and then map it to one from one of the online stores. So Voxel 51 helps data scientists and engineers do that process more effectively and more quantitatively, so more measurably. Another application is autonomous vehicles or even security applications, right? So across the world, there are more than estimated to be more than 45 billion video cameras. In order to leverage or find value in those video cameras beyond what human observers can watch naturally, we need to go through that process of training models and building artificial intelligence to augment human capabilities. In many situations here, this is not to replace humans, but really to make them do their job more effectively. End users do see applications across different uses of video, and we really allow them or enable them to work with that video more effectively. You know, as as I gave the example already, autonomous driving, for example, lots of large data sets for avoiding collisions, avoiding pedestrian accidents, rating the risk assessment of different drivers for insurance applications, and so on. These are all very natural uses of our tooling for AI and video understanding applications. When the pandemic started to really pick up its pace across the globe, and we had to start working from home as a, as a small startup company, you know, we, we asked ourselves the question, what should we do or what could we do in order to help in the process? You know, we don't build hardware, we can't build more masks or ventilators or anything like that. So we thought of how to measure social distancing. We ended up calling it physical distancing because of a recommendation by the WHO, but it really means the same thing. So are humans staying at least six or you know, farther apart than, than, than they normally would uh, pre-COVID-19? So the tool, we kind of paused our normal everyday day-to-day work on our AI tooling and embarked on this physical distancing index journey or PDI. And what PDI does is measure the core human activity in a video stream. So if bicycle or vehicle or even a human pedestrian, as they're moving through the scene, we'll pick them up and essentially count them so that we can get an estimate, a high level estimate of how much human related mobility or that is our proxy for actual social distancing. So we didn't use any physical measurement of like actual distance between humans or vehicles or things like that, mostly because it would be hard for us to know since we don't do any sort of identity recognition if the people came from the same household or if they're actually strangers or anything like that. So we just do a direct counting 
of the of the activity in the scene. So our system it runs in in the cloud and it actually connects to publicly available web cameras. And those web cameras are queried once every 15 minutes, roughly every 15 minutes. And at, at that query, we extract a frame from the video and we run our processing on that frame and then add it to the database that, that's then served on the website. And our processing, you know, we could do this because it's built on top of our underlying video understanding platform uh, that we've been building for a couple of years now. Privacy is very important to us at Voxel 51, especially because you know, we are, we're not really an end user application type of a company where we're serving analytics on video streams to, to security agencies or something like that. We are building tools to enable others to do that. So our tools are, have inbuilt capabilities to protect privacy. So the PDI system has three layers of, of privacy, you could say. The first layer, and I think the most important one really is that the actual index, the PDI, is an act aggregate measure, right? It's a single number captured once every 15 minutes from a live video stream, but the number itself says nothing about who's in the scene, how long they've been in the scene, what, what their identity is or what their face is. You know, we, all we're doing is counting the amount of mobility, amount of activity. The second layer is how the system is actually deployed. So, so we don't manage our own servers. We use a, a major cloud vendor for that. And this cloud vendor is ISO 27 one certified, which is as essentially as good as you can do with before you take it off the internet from a security point of view. So we rely on their bulletproof security for that. And then the third layer are those underlying privacy preserving tools that we use on our actual system. So this includes state of the art redaction. So if you go through to the website and you hover over a timestamp, you'll find that all of the faces have been redacted from, from the feed. And that's part of our underlying tooling for the video capabilities. Well, a cell phone provider will naturally secure, know the identity of the person that's capturing the cell phone. So in, intrinsically, there's no protection there. So they have to go through a process of scrubbing or redacting. I believe the individual trajectories of cell phone data are still maintained in the data that's being provided. So there still is some potential to deduce the identity based on mobility patterns of certain people, where they're moving to and from on a regular basis. Whereas because the type of data that they're providing is, again, not aggregate data, it's sort of uh, individual trajectories that's, that are then collected together. So I think there's a potential for it, although I, I trust that the scrubbing process is fairly robust, like our redaction process. So they're doing the best they can to, to maintain privacy as well. I think there's another slight difference as well in, in, the, in the type of data that's being captured. Cell phone data is not able to be localized to the, you know, to the meter or to the location, right? So they're getting sort of rough trajectories through cities and on roads and so on. Whereas the video data, you know, we know exactly where they're standing, where the camera's pointing and that, that kind of thing. So it's a little bit different type of localization capabilities as well. I think it was one of our team members who posed the question in a, in a Slack channel, you know, what, what can we do and why should we do, you know, really, what, what can we do? And I think we came together, we had a few different ideas actually for how our software, AI, video tooling could potentially help in this crisis. PDI was one of them. Another one, for example, was an easy tool to compress videos for non-expert technical users, right? So I have three children. They're now taking Zoom schooling at home. Some of their teachers are recording videos and sending them. And, you know, we don't have a very fast internet connection. So it was taking forever to download Puppet Show, for example, for my youngest one. 
and so we were considering making a tool that would uh, allow the compression of those videos so they're, they're easier to transfer. But we decided to go with PDI because we thought it would really have the most global impact for, for public awareness. You know, we were individually feeling alone and isolated. Even I, I, there are six people in my house here, but, but we're all together all the time. We, we, we don't have much connection to our family, to our friends right now. And so I wanted a sense personally, you know, is everyone feeling this? You know, how many people are out? Are, are we the only ones following the stay-at-home order? Things like that. And I wanted to understand the mapping between the stay-at-home order and, and cases. And as you know, on the website, you can sort of click on a video or click on a graph uh, in a location and then plot the number of cases as a function of time, as well as the PDI as a function of time. And you can really see the relationship there. So I think those are the reasons why we ultimately embarked on this journey, noting again that it, it was a pause of our core business. So, you know, we're, we were not doing this to expect to make any, any, new, any new money or any new business. In fact, we've offered it for free to some municipalities and college campuses and so on as a way of measuring from a public health perspective, how does PDI relate to case, case rate and, and practices and other social behavior? And then I guess how long did it take us to build it? I think it was about five days from the idea to our first deployment on a web server. That was mostly enabled by the fact that we had been, you know, we're, we're sort of video experts and, and we have a lot of this tooling under the hood. So I think a team, so we're, we're eight people in our company now, a team of four engineers ultimately built PDI. And then the other, the other folks were around messaging and, and, and so on. So about a, week to do, about a week to do it. When we began building the tool, we really didn't know what to expect. We were hoping it would function. Right, so like connecting to live public webcams is not something we did in the past. You know, and then finding other live public webcams that had two or three months of historical data was another technical hurdle. So you know, we jumped over these hurdles, and then I think we were really expecting that local governments might be interested in using it to really help monitor and understand how are the, uh, the taxpayers, the citizens in their municipality obeying the stay-at-home order and whether or not it relates to various public health initiatives and policy. You know, we have had a few conversations to that end, but, you know, municipalities are used to very long procurement cycles. Again, we're giving it, we're offering it for free, but we haven't had much traction with local governments yet. Where we are seeing some traction, again, are, uh, as a university campuses where most of them are empty right now, and yet they will start bringing students back, unlikely for the summer, but in the fall. And there's the chance that, again, since it is a privacy-preserving tool, that it still may be used as a data science component of a public health initiative on college campuses. And we've also begun to consider the, the use of our tool for large retail. You know, we've seen some news articles about like grocery stores putting one-way pathways in different aisles and so on. And, you know, and our tool can work indoors versus outdoors. So, uh, so we've been having some conversations to that end as well. But again, at this point, it's about two to three weeks old right now. So it's being used primarily as the pdi.voxel51.com website. And, and we're happy that it's received a ton of attention already. You know, we're getting a lot of emails with interest and thanks and and requests for adding new new locations, things like that, and Twitter and on. And we can we continue to to extend capabilities on the the public deployment of it. If you look at all of the videos we have that have any historical data, there's a stark drop off in the PDI from early March to now. It's actually commendable 
how much of, at least for the locations that we are observing, how much of a observance of the guidelines are being, are being met. However, interestingly, in some places, it's harder than others to meet to, to meet the demand, right? So we just added Hollywood Boulevard, a camera from Hollywood, Hollywood Boulevard this morning. And I was surprised to note that the trend in the data, in the PDI data over the last two months is very similar to that of Times Square in New York City. And so that, that says to me, just from a observer, you know, data science observer point of view, that, well, Hollywood Boulevard and Times Square are, are both central locations in their respective cities. And there's going to be a lot of traffic, foot traffic or vehicle traffic through them on a day-to-day basis, even if locally people are observing the social distancing guidelines. And so I think it's important to, to understand the context of the different feeds and different locations that we have. But that has certainly been the most surprising observance that I've had since, since we began. Like other things are a little bit more expected. For example, we have one camera feed from the, the beach in New Jersey. And there was a warm weekend a few weekends ago when, when we first launched the site. And there's a, a peak, you know, a rise, a bump in the PDI. And of course, people are going to, you know, we're going to go outside. And, and now here in Michigan, we have snow. So no one's outside right now, right? So like, I think we will continue to enjoy watching the trends and making some measurements from them. Times Square is one of the most stark drop-offs that, that we have there. And uh, we have one in Dublin that's looking at a famous pub and one in London looking at uh, on Abbey Road. So really, really famous tourist locations. And both of those camera feeds have significant drop-offs. The, the one in, interestingly, the one in Dublin has a peak around St. Patrick's Day and then a, a stark drop-off after that as well. And then some other interesting things we found is that, so we have one from Las Vegas on, on the Strip and the drop-off actually tails the mandate by a few days because it really wasn't until the casinos were closed, as I understand, that the actual drop-off happened. And one thing to point out, if, as a, if you're a new user to the website, uh, pdi.voxel51.com, that there are gray vertical bars on the graphs. And those gray vertical bars correspond to news events or, or notable events that happened on that day. And as you hover over them, you will get some description of what that event is. And so you can sort of correlate the curve behavior with these news events. The most important use for us is public awareness. And I think from an observer point of view, you know, we are getting hundreds of users to the website on a regular basis. Users that are not just new users, but users that are coming back to the website. And I think for us, that's the primary way that we are getting data out into the world. And then the, the auxiliary way that we're getting data out is through blog posts. So one of our scientists, our, our own scientist is writing a blog post about the trends that he has noticed and doing some modeling there. And I think, I think going into the future, what we anticipate, you know, we don't really know what to expect from over the next few months, both from a social distancing point of view, as well as a COVID-19 pandemic point of view, as well as like what data will be valuable point of view. So we are anticipating a data science value in the PDI and its correlation with case rate and mortality rate and so on. So we are engaged in some conversations about how to make this data in aggregate available from a data science point of view, much like the data from like the Johns Hopkins databases. And in fact, what we plot on our, on our graphs is kind of like a mashup for the cases from Johns Hopkins. So I think those are the ways in, in which we're planning to get the, or we, or we are, and planning to get the data out into, into use. We think there's still social value, sort of a duty that we have to keep the site up and running 
and we, we will continue to do that into the foreseeable future. Currently, we are planning to add more cameras, at least a few cameras a week, or at least a camera a week, and we just added the uh, Los Angeles camera this morning. And I think we, we would actually plan to continue it at least through next year, because I, I anticipate the tail of the pandemic's impact will be much longer than May 2020, right? So, so we, we do think that there's a potential for the tool and the data underlying it to be used in prognostic or predictive modeling. And we want to keep measuring feeds over that time. The data shows that social distancing is helping to flatten the curve and so on. But there are nevertheless going to be situations where we cannot be physically distant from, from, from people. And so I think it's really important to take other auxiliary precautions, such as bringing and wearing a mask at all times when you're out. It's not something we're used to. I, I have friends, colleagues who have some debates about this with, but, but I, I do think it's the, right, it's the right choice to take all precautions necessary. Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.